wind is howling outside on this fall day outside the studio. Another place where the wind howls is in Annapolis, Maryland, where the U.S. Naval Academy is situated in the mid-Atlantic region of the United States, which on an average day, despite hurricanes and tornadoes in Florida, tends to be a lot windier than the southern state. That wind was quite bizarre for me when I first became a midshipman at the Naval Academy, although it wasn't my main concern. Not having air conditioning in the hot summer was, uh, was one of them as a plebe, as they call early midshipmen at the Naval Academy. In the last episode, show number four, titled Local H, I referred to the River Styx. There happens to be a river next to the Naval Academy called the Severn River, which I affectionately referred to as the River Styx. It takes a fine institution to be hated so dearly. The Warrior Poet is perhaps a show about nothing. Obviously, many of you know I get that phrase, show about nothing, from Seinfeld. And that episode is perhaps one of the best episodes, but one of my favorite episodes is the one featuring Bizarro Jerry. Hey, is that Elaine? Maybe she'd give me another picture of man hands. Elaine! 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 Hi! Over here! Jerry, George, Kramer. This is Kevin, Gene, and Feldman. Gee, uh, nice to meet you. This is really weird. Uh, could you guys excuse us just for a moment? Sure. Thanks. What? What do you guys want? Elaine, I've got to have another picture of Jillian. I tried to get him one, but man hands almost ripped my arm out of the socket. I could have gotten I swear it. Guys, I gotta go. Take it easy. Elaine? I come? I'm I'm sorry. We've already got a George. <laughs> can't tell from that clip in that episode elaine befriends essentially mirror images from an alternate dimension of jerry kramer and george the term bizarro was invented by i thought the superman comics it actually first appeared in superboy and there's a link in the show notes that explains all the history of the bizarro character if you're interested i never understood the Comic-Con obsession, to be honest. But among many other things, it sounds like maybe I'm in the minority here. I like thinking about what if a whole bunch of Indians got together? What would that convention be called? How about non-con? I feel the default in life is to be lazy, to give in to entropy. Perhaps a strategy for self-help should be doing the opposite of what your impulses tell you to do. We all fall into scripts. Some people like referring to these as trances, which I actually really love that word trance because it implies that the user, the operator, the human in the seat is very unaware 
of what is happening to them and actually may get some chemical feedback about that experience and what they're doing that is a short-term high, even though that behavior is actually destructive in the end. One of my favorite books is The Diamond Age by Neil Stevenson. And in that book, for a surprisingly large amount of the book, one of the main characters is stuck in this underwater world where uh, beating drums features heavily as well as uh, a lot of adult-related activity. Uh, And this man is just deep in this trance while he's down there and uh, a whole bunch of time passes. Uh, But nevertheless, highly recommend that book for a whole bunch of reasons. I bet if you ask the average person if they're in control of their life, they would assume the answer is yes. We'd all like to believe we're in control. But I think the reality is that in many ways we're not. I referenced the book influenced by Robert Cialdini in also the last episode, Local H. And in that book, especially the audiobook is particularly impactful in terms of this phrase, this concept, quote, click were as if for any situation and any stimulus, someone receiving that stimulus will just play a script out in their head. It's useful to think about how your brain has pathways that are well-worn with chemicals and electricity such that usually your brain, your mind wants to follow the path of least resistance. And that results in habits, both good and bad, beliefs, both good and bad. And that click were script, and again, I I prefer the term trance, but um, that script will play out as if you are not in control, as if you are just along for the ride. In the big leagues of life, as a grown-up, you may not get feedback very quickly. Part of the reason is we don't have a parent or teacher continually giving us that feedback and course correction. But part of it is that life is just more complicated than when you're a kid. The number of paths are more diverse, arguably infinite. The questions you encounter ethically are more complex. Values differ heavily between people once you get past some minimum threshold of character and habit that's suitable for that culture and that time and place in humanity's existence. Ultimately, it's hard to know at any given time what things will pay off. Tim Ferriss has popularized the notion of life hacking and experimenting with one's lifestyle design. There's a lot of merit to that, but for any given change in your life, it's going to be hard to know whether or not that's worth it. So let's say you start getting up at 5 a.m. That might have a big impact on your life. You'll notice how you can get a workout in, you have done your important things for the day, maybe changing your diet to low carb is similar in that you might see a change fairly quickly, let's say within a few weeks to a month. Then again, there's all sorts of other things that you won't know whether it has an impact for a while. What has worked for me at times, given that 
the paths you want to follow are so uncertain. And even more importantly, the grooves in your mind, those bad habits are less certain, very unknown, is to flip the world upside down. Enter your own bizarro world where you choose the reverse of your impulses at all times. What am me? Bizarro, that's what you am. Mercy. Bizarro? That not my name. If the shoe fits, handsome. No, me am Superman. Taking a step back, I'd suggest there are two methods for getting out of these patterns. One is seclusion. It allows you to focus on what's most important in life. Travel is one way to achieve the seclusion. Granted, you might be around other people, but it pulls you out of a situation, perhaps an unhealthy situation. Then again, maybe one would argue that every business as usual situation is unhealthy in that you stop questioning what your values are and what your habits are. But perhaps you're time constrained, perhaps you're financially constrained and you can't travel. You might be able to achieve this in other ways, such as taking a retreat that is nearby. I suppose you could also go to prison, but I wouldn't suggest that. The bizarro method is a different method, which you might also use as an alternative to travel and the seclusion method, or just simply because you need that check on everything you do and maybe nothing else has worked. You do the opposite of what you're inclined to do at all times. Flip the script. Each one probably has its own place in different situations. But what you want to achieve is simplification. A simple battle plan is going to be much more executable and measurable than a very complex one. You want to reduce noise and allow your mind to be more present. Turn off the bad inputs you've already recognized. The key benefit of the bizarro method is that although we'd love to turn off the bad inputs, maybe you haven't even recognized what those bad inputs are. Now, let me be clear. This will work for everyone. No, that was a test, of course. I hope that you, my listeners, are as skeptical as I am about information coming at you all the time. Everyone wants to give you a recommendation, and skepticism is key to remaining sane and having an informed point of view. This will, of course, not work for everyone, but I hope the Bizarro Method will work for certain of you at certain times. I will recommend a few resources related to this, and you'll hear me refer to these authors and speakers, bloggers throughout this podcast, but that's an indication of how highly I regard them. I'm not looking to duplicate their material. One is Charles Duhigg, The Power of Habit. Another one is the blog and book Atomic Habits by James Clear. Additionally, the creator of the cartoon Dilbert, Scott Adams, has achieved a lot of fame on Twitter and in the podcastosphere over the last few years for his thinking about the workplace and life, which is actually quite profound. One might not expect that from a cartoonist, but 
perhaps you can apply similar logic to cartoonists that you can to comedians who uh, are said to be quite smart, and uh, I tend to believe that. Anyway, Scott Adams's main refrain that I've heard, the most valuable thing he said on podcasts and on Twitter is that systems trump goals. I don't know if I entirely believe that, but I think at certain points in your life, having systems and habits is more important than goals. Or perhaps for certain personalities, this works. The bizarro method can be regarded as a system, perhaps an anti-system that can work effectively. I've used the Bizarro method myself to get myself out of a rut. One example of how I did that was with yoga. I always used to regard yoga with some skepticism, especially the Americanized version. Part of that is due to my Indian father who always lamented the Americanization of yoga and what was basically nil emphasis on the spirituality of it and an entire focus on physical fitness. But I found yoga to be very helpful physically. And those yoga practitioners in the audience will probably say that spirituality has started to enter American yoga. When I used to picture meditation, I might picture the parents in Meet the Fockers. I thought it was just very woo-woo and something that hippies did, but meditation obviously in the last 10 plus years has gone mainstream, but the Meet the Fockers movie was not that long ago. And so it shows how quickly taste and culture can change. Let's be clear. I'm not asking you to reverse your diet. If you've already found a good diet that works for you. If you're paleo, keto, Whole30, something like that, whatever, whatever works for you. If you found it works, I'm not asking you to change that. I'm not asking you to watch tons of Netflix if you abstain from that. I'm not asking you to read the news every day or obsess about politics if you're not doing these things. But the key is to have the discipline to question the defaults that are in your daily life. Things you've held grudges against, like my grudge against yoga that had no foundation because I had never done it before, practices you've been doubtful of, and really ways of dealing with people. Where were you today? What? Pick up. Damn. So, where were you? Uh, here, I guess, and uh, I went out and picked up a paper. I had to ask Kevin to leave his office and come and pick me up. Well, what are friends for? Yes, and he is a friend, Jerry. He's reliable, he's considerate. He's like your exact opposite. So he's Bizarro Jerry. Bizarro Jerry? Yeah, like Bizarro Superman. Superman's exact opposite. Who lives in the backwards Bizarro world? Up is down, down is up. He says hello when he leaves, goodbye when he arrives. Shouldn't he say bad bye? Isn't that the opposite of goodbye? No, it's still goodbye. Does he live underwater? No. 
Is he black? Look, just forget the whole thing, all right? The Bizarro Method will force you to take on a handful of things at one time, perhaps a plethora of things at one time. This runs counter to a lot of the advice that you'll get from some of those authors that I quoted earlier, where the science seems to show that changing one thing at a time is a better approach. I've written about my stance in a post on Medium called Intermittent Fasting and the Placebo Effect. The conclusion I have come to is that one can achieve potentially great gains with more change. But I think there's this middle ground where you try and change just three things or two really hard things. And it's not a systematic upheaval in your paradigm about who you are, what you do, what your patterns are, but it's really just trying to piecemeal take on two or three things. I think that middle ground is perilous. It's a DMZ of self-help, if you will. So, if thou hast a reservoir of fine metal, give the Bizarro Method a try. Hope it works for you. And now is that part of the program where we get all the way wet. One resource I didn't mention in the body of the episode was James Altucher. He seems to hit rock bottom with astounding regularity. Because of that, he has developed a playbook of things he employs to get out of that valley. And it actually inspired my thinking about the Bizarro method. Mr. Altucher's method is more tactical, such as work out every day, eat healthy, sleep well, have fun, come up with 10 ideas a day, things like that. Seeing all these tactical recommendations several years ago inspired the Bizarro method, which I believe is a generalized approach. Number two, Annapolis, Maryland is the capital of Maryland. It's where the Naval Academy resides. For those of you who have never visited there, it may surprise you to know that it was the seat of American government in the pre-constitutional era there was such a thing called the Confederation Congress, which was Congress under the Articles of Confederation after the Revolutionary War. It took place, I think, in the State House in a particular circle in downtown Annapolis. I also, when researching this, came across the fact that the Continental Congress at one point was in a couple official buildings in Philadelphia. I think it was in New York. There's one entry that is called Henry Fights House. How would you like your name to be ensconced in history? You're completely absent from history, except that some incredibly famous people stayed at your house. And so <laughs> one day after World War III or after some sort of global union, because of a closure in an official building, everyone went to Lamar Jones's house. Footnote number three, I was tempted to come up with a new word for seclusion. Seclude tends to be a word that has an object. So 
you don't just seclude and that means yourself. You seclude someone or something or you are secluded. I was thinking more along the lines of being a recluse, that that is what you need to get yourself out of that rut. And so my word was going to be reclusion. And becoming a recluse, I think, can help extroverts as well as introverts. I think most people would expect just the latter. And by the way, a great book on introverts and the extrovert-introvert spectrum is the book Quiet by Susan Cain. Turns out the word reclude is already taken. It means to re-include, unfortunately. But seriously, I have always wanted to invent new words. Who creates words anymore? Shakespeare is said to have created many, many, many words in the English language. Apparently, he created 300 words just beginning with un, U-N. That's Uniform November. One word that he created that I thought was really interesting is the word bandit. For some reason, you just assume a word hasn't been made up by somebody a few hundred years ago. For some reason, you just envision these words being developed organically over time, millennia ago, amongst hunter-gatherers. Well, look at that chap. There's a bandit over there. Can you pass the berries? Of course, I have to acknowledge that DC Comics created the word bizarro out of thin air in the middle of the 20th century. But these days, it's mostly just 14-year-olds on their phones creating words anymore. It actually is somewhat of an established fact amongst linguistics researchers that teenage girls have been on the forefront of language creation and language evolution throughout history. A final example of someone who managed to create a lot of words, although they're not really in use anymore, is Anthony Burgess in his novel, A Clockwork Orange. I sure could video bourbon right now. I've taught you much, my little droogies. Final footnote, I mentioned the novel The Diamond Age by Neil Stevenson in the body of this episode. One of the main characters is a small girl named Fiona who comes across this magical AI tablet that teaches her all about the world. It is incredibly moving and inspiring, at least to me, as someone who has always been around children seemingly his whole life and who strongly believes that everyone is born with a very, very similar level of potential, especially intellectual potential, and that it's just a matter of harnessing that. Amazon has a building in Seattle that is called Fiona. I worked there on a K-12 education project, which is fitting. The reason that building has that name is because the early creators of the Kindle named the project after the character Fiona because one of them was reading The Diamond Age. And with that, dear listeners, I shall reclude.
like his music, you can find him on Spotify. There's a link in the show notes. You can also trust him with your children. Trust me. I know. The helicopter fillers you heard come courtesy of Mike Koenig. Thanks, Mike. Few things are as comforting as a powerful rotor shop. Speaking of which, if you like Warrior Poet, you might love our sister series, 100% Indivisible, a podcast about America. Warrior Poet is produced by Laddie, with special contributions by Spoonman and me, Shree. No, 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 no. Kevin, me na do it. Spita.